Welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. I'm your host, Dave Mabel, and I'm glad you're here. This week, I talked with Chris Daggs, Director Sportif of the Lux Cycling Development Team, one of the premier Devo teams in the U.S. You you may remember Chris from one of my early podcasts, episode number 16, where we talked about his role as coach and some of the details of the team. Since that time, he and the team have spent a month in Europe and also took home seven Stars and Stripes jerseys from the U.S. National Road Championships in June. So I was excited to have him back and talk about the past few months with the team. But before I do, I want to invite you to try out this great offer from the Adventure Plus streaming service. What is Adventure Plus? It's a super cool streaming platform with more than 600 adventure films. Great films on cycling, running, mountaineering, rock climbing, and so much more. It's like Netflix for people like us. A subscription to it is less than a good pint of beer, but it's even better than that, as I've partnered with them to give you your first 90 days free. Hundreds of adventure films with new titles added every week, free for 90 days. And after that, you can decide if you want to keep it or cancel. It's up to you. So click the link in my show notes and start streaming your summer of adventure. Check them all out on adventureplus.com. I have some more fun news for you. I've been working with Bike Rags Apparel. They make all kinds of things from your team kits to t-shirts and sweatshirts, even hats. But they also make sweet stickers. So I've just ordered a bunch of stickers. And if you find Bike Talk with Dave and buy me a coffee on buymeacoffee.com, I'll send you one. How fun is that? All right, enough with the intro. It's time to get to my conversation with Chris Daggs. Uh, Chris Daggs, welcome back to the show. You are my first in-person, two-time bike talk guest. I have had people on for two episodes, but the other one might have been pre-recorded. Gotcha. A la Katie Compton. Yep. One was an old one and one was fresh. But you are my first two-time, and I'd say with great reason. (laughs) Great reason. I feel like our first one, we kind of got to know Chris Daggs. We got to know the Lux Cycling Development Team a little bit, what your goals and aspirations were for the season. And holy moly, Nationals were two weeks ago? Yeah, a couple weeks weeks ago. ago. Yep. Yep. In June. And uh, holy moly. You guys took home the hardware. Yeah, it was a, a good couple weeks there. Um, we had Pro Nationals, which is where the women go to compete. Um, it's just kind of the way USA Cycling has things structured now. But um, the women compete at the Pro Week, um, and they picked up three national championships um, and I think another medal or two in there somewhere. Um, I was recovering from my Europe trip, so Roy took that one, and that was um, that was good for. I think that was really good for him. Roy doesn't get out on the road that much anymore, and so um, to do that trip and then just bam, have the success that they had. That was I, I think it was pretty energizing for him. It's one of those things that's kind of energizing and tiring all at the same time. You know, you put so much into those events and making that happen and getting that result. And it's just like, it takes so much out of you, but then at the same time, it's, uh, 
um, you just like you can't not be buzzed about winning a national championship and then the next day and then the next day and so it's it's kind of I guess it would be like uh, the party's winding down and you pound a Red Bull and vodka to keep going <laughs> you know <laughs> because the like, party's not winding down because know the party keeps kicking back yeah up. it keeps going it keeps yeah going. and you guys are going to get a um, bulk discount on <laughs> Stars and Stripes jerseys I think yeah for next year and Roy you're talking uh, Roy Nickman yep your uh, director, no, your GM. You'd call him your GM. Yeah, he's our GM. Yep, awesome. Um, and he's a he's an awesome dude. Uh, I'm still up to have him on the pod. Like I grew up watching him. Yeah, you know, we we'll, I think we can arrange that pretty quick. He settled in Minnesota, and um, he's actually going to be down. I think next week. The right week after of Ragbri. I think so, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, he can, is he, he coming on Ragbri? No, no, no. He might not know it's Ragbri. He might he's got to pick up the van mm. and trailer because he's going to go do an event. Um he's going to go over to the Intelligentsia Cup oh, and sure. direct for the ladies cuz I'm going back to Europe and um the rest of our staff is kind of all over the place, but a bunch of them are in Europe, and so I'm going to go over to meet them, and so we're a little shorthanded here in the U.S., and Roy's like, oh, I'll come over and do Intelligentsia. So, and then the next question is, where's our stuff? <laughs> so <laughs> Come down to get it. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's parked in front of my house. So <laughs> Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, you had the van. You've had a busy, I think we were early May, and uh, gosh, since then, you spent a month in Europe. Yeah. Uh, nationals. Yep. And you put on a race this last weekend <laughs> yeah. in Des Moines, which I still yeah. think is a, a crazy, crazy thing for you to take on in the middle of this whole summer. But right. we, we all appreciate you putting on that race for sure. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Um, you know, with with COVID, we just saw a bunch of races disappear. And, you know, that summer was the first summer, first full summer I was in Des Moines and was just getting to know the scene and the community and you know races are going away left and right and we don't you know it's it's covid summer 2020 nobody knows what's going on we're like is this it is it the zombie apocalypse you know is this just like you know what is this thing and i think as we started to kind of figure out like okay like we can kind of get back to what we were doing, we just need to be careful. We just need to figure out how we're going to do this. Then the idea kind of popped in my head, like, well, let's do a bike race. You know, we got to have a bike race. I mean, like, I have all this time. Like, I want to do a bike race. And everybody else is like, let's do a bike race. And so I said, I'm just going to take the plunge and do it. Um, I had promoted, I kind of promoted an event before, but a lot of stuff was just kind of, set up for me it was kind of like this turnkey thing like somebody said hey i just need you to do this can you just show up i'm like yeah i could do that um so i figured you know with the with the crit over at waterworks i did a little research i was like okay this this will i think i can do this you know and you know of course the the new guy in town it's like i kind of know some people i hope some people will come help me out i think i'll get a few people to help me out and you know luckily you know the, the bike community here is great, like we've talked about. And so people just showed up and were like, hey, we want to help out. And then, of course, it's, you know, it's the COVID summer. And so people are looking for stuff to do. And I think somebody said that it was like one of the best turnouts they'd had for a race in like <laughs> 20 years or yeah, something. It, it was. It was. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to actually talk about, 
uh, not necessarily your race, but uh, racing in general in, in a bit. But, um, well, let's go, let's follow the timeline and tell me about your trip to Europe. You're about a month there. Yep. Did some stage racing. Yep. Like, how did it all go? Who went and yeah. how was it? Um, it's always fun to go over the pond uh, for races. I think no matter how many times you go, at least for me, there's always this, you know, this big sense of adventure. You know, you're kind of out of your comfort zone. A lot of people speak English over there, which is really nice. Makes things a lot easier for us English speakers when we get over there. But there's still this, you know, trepidation like, okay, I'm landing in this airport. I got to get through customs and I got to pick up my luggage in a rental car and, you know, drive to some city and some hotel. And um, so there's always this sense of adventure and that, you know, I think that that, again, like we talked last time a little bit about, you know, you kind of have to be a super fan to, you know, go pretty far in the sport. And I think you just have to have this, this love of adventure. And there's like a little bit of the unknown, like, okay, like this should work out, but I'm not in Kansas anymore. So something could be, you know, there, not that you want something to go wrong, but there's that excitement like all right like i don't do this every day right so <laughs> although right. now it's kind of becoming a thing like i kind of am doing this every day now <laughs> yeah, well you kind of are <laughs> yeah you know i went to uh, alaska and spent uh 40 days up there following the iditarod i don't know if we talked about that in the mm-hmm. last episode but uh it felt to me like being in a foreign country yeah but they all spoke everyone spoke like it was not a foreign country it was right. like a foreign country light yeah. Yeah. It's get out of your comfort zone, you know? And right. I think, um, you know, like not to get all philosophical, but like we don't have a whole lot of challenges anymore. Right. You know, Amazon will deliver stuff to our house. Um, you know, you can, you can talk to your Alexa and, you know, Amazon will then bring stuff to your house. You know, your car, like will remember what temperature you like it's set at. So when you get in, you know, like it's uh, pretty easy here. It's pretty easy here. Yep. Yeah. I mean, not to, you know, life is hard, no doubt. But it's also like we, you know, like civilized America is pretty cush. Um, yeah. We, <laughs> we don't have to chase deer <laughs> right. across the uh, uh, tundra to yeah. to eat this week. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's harpooning a narwhal to eat like in the in the icy right. waters off of Alaska. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, that's. I could see where that would feel again, like you're far from home, right? Like this yep. is this, I'm not in my element anymore. And I think that's some of the adventure of bike racing in Europe. For sure. You know, for sure. And I, I actually think that that is a reason why Lux development team should exist so that you can introduce kids to yeah. that kind of environment so that yeah. as they grow up, I remember in the 80, 80s, 80s i remember you know that first crew i think i want to say george mount was one of the first americans to go Uh over and race in europe yep but after him you know some some uh folks came people like roy nickman yep um uh alexi graywall and i remember alexi graywall he freaking won the 84 olympics so Mm -hmm. you think he's a superhero and he goes over to europe and just had a really hard time and it's americans didn't know their way over there there's yeah. no system set up. You weren't introduced to it. Yeah. And what you guys are doing with the kids and taking them over there and saying, okay, this is 
That's how it works. When you get off the plane, yeah, you got to go through customs, and you got to get your baggage, and yeah. you got to get your car, and then you. Yeah, and a lot of the the trips are. I mean, that's what it's about. It's not. I mean, yeah, it's race your it's race your bike in some of the hardest races you're going to do. But then it's also like, hey, you've got all this other stuff that you got to deal with. You know, did you like what did you pack? You know, you got to make sure you have everything that you're going to need for the trip because, yeah, you can buy a rain jacket over there, but that might be a hundred bucks. Do you have an extra hundred? You know, like make sure like what's your packing list? What are you bringing? You know, like how are you going to make your environment over there comfortable so that you're not constantly wishing to go home, right. you know, because that's the number one killer for a lot of people. Even as a staff person, like I get homesick, you know, I think probably week number four, I was like, okay, like I, I would be nice to sleep in my own bed. Right. Yeah. And I think that's just the challenge that we have as Americans going over, you know, and I think the South Americans, suffer from the same thing like the colombians when they go over they talk about the same thing and um so you know you get over there and it's like okay i gotta make this i gotta make this work like this is where it is you know this is where i want to be if i want to be a competitive cyclist at a high level and so how do i make this work and so a lot of our preparation for the trip with the with the kids with any of the athletes is like okay this is what you need to take with you to you know to be just prepared to compete over there but here's some other things that you want to do too right you know some of it's like don't pack too much like just make your life easy okay um you know bring you know like bring a bring a couple books like bring you know bring a couple movies you know like don't plan on being able to you know stream spotify or netflix like every place you go you know it you'll you'll stay at a hotel in one town in the Netherlands and like the Wi-Fi will be really good. And then we'll go to like a town in Germany and stay at like a, you know, like a gymnasium for a race and there'll be no Wi-Fi. And, you know, it's like, you know, and be prepared for be that, prepared for that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, is your phone going to work over there? And like, you know, a lot of times, like most people, their phone doesn't work over there. And so, you know, did you set your phone up? Or are you going to buy a Euro phone? I mean, there's, there's right. Like, and you know, that's funny because the phone thing is like still something that like, we're trying to figure out like today in 2022, it's right. like, okay, do I buy a Euro phone? Do I just like, do I just like pay the extra 10 bucks a day for my Verizon on my Verizon bill? Like, what is it? You know, there's, we haven't, we haven't quite figured that solution out yet. Yeah. So. Well, a friend was just over in Italy and he's like, stop texting me. It costs $2 <laughs> for every text I receive and send. Yeah. So we all Venmoed him $2. And of course he got a text every time yeah, we sent a, a te- Venmo. <laughs> Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, now there's something that the kids should learn. Don't tell people not to text you because it costs $2. Yeah. They will then text you. Because then they'll text you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just figuring out the time zone too, you know, it's, um, you know, it's like, oh, I got to call home for this. I was like, well, hold on a second. You're going to be calling your mom in the middle of the night. Do you want to do that? (laughs) Because, you know, like last time I checked it, if I called my parents in the middle of the night, they always flipped out. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I should probably wait. Yeah. Wait till this, what time is it there? Like, well, where do you live? Okay. So it's this time zone. So yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of stuff is really, it's, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's bike school it's like okay hey we're going to europe this is how you pack this is what you bring this is what you don't need to bring the don't bring list is probably as important as the bring list and i gotta say like i'm 
generally like the worst at packing. Like I like will bring too much stuff and then I'll bring stuff that I don't need. And anyway, so my mechanic Grant Smith is like the king of like packing light. So I'm usually like, yeah, make follow Grant's like <laughs> right, right. on this stuff. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just lear- getting used to this whole experience of like, okay, I'm going to uproot my life. I'm going to go to this other place and race bikes. Um, and then on top of that, it's like, okay, it's also going to be some of the hardest racing you've ever done. So, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Talk a bit about the racing. How'd it go? Yeah. How'd they find it? Yeah. Uh, so our first race off the plane was GP Bob Youngles, Bob Youngles, who yes. won the tour stage the other day. Yep. Yeah. Um, the club that he grew up with in Luxembourg, like they sponsor this big junior race, um, cool circuit, um, some tiny, tiny roads. Like you would see the road and be like, that's a bike path. Like the road is literally as big as like the bike path that goes out to Dallas center. And the kids were like, oh, okay, we're racing on that. I'm like, yep, that's that you, you can fit a bike on it or five. So, right. (laughs) So we're racing it. Um, so yeah, we were a little bit, I think everybody's a little bit tired. We'd only been in Europe like three or four days, I think three days. Um, so we f- have like a, a headquarters in Innsbruck, Austria. We share space with, uh, the Tyrol KTM pro team. In fact, we've gotten to know them well over the past couple of years. And so they actually offered to help us out and said, Hey, we like, they said, we like your program. We like your riders that you're developing. Like if you need a place to put stuff in Europe, you can put it here. That's and so, awesome. yeah, so that was super helpful. Um, great training area, just a great place to be located. So, I mean, I'll just go to Innsbruck and hang out. Right. Drink right. Coffee in the morning and beer in the evening. Yeah. And I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, and it, maybe ride a bike during the day, but yeah, it's not <laughs> a bad place to be. And it's we awesome. We, that's what we were talking about last year. Is like, oh, like, well, if I gotta spend time someplace, like, you know, like Innsbruck's not too shabby. Nope. Um, so we found just over the course of like the last year or so, the easiest thing for us to do is like fly into Munich, Germany, pick up our vehicles in Munich, Germany, and drive down to Innsbruck. Um, and we've made some good connections with like a couple different hotels and hostels down there. So we have some, we've got some good places to house everybody. Um, and we usually fly in, take like a couple days to prepare everything we've got. Um, we don't own any vehicles over there, so we're always having to rent. So, um, Seasucker provides us with some really nice racks. Um, oh, cool. um, Yep. And they actually make like a pro style rack that you can mount like eight or nine bikes on. On so a rental car. On a rental car, and yeah. Not feel too bad about it. Exactly, yeah. So, and it's the beauty of the sea sucker is that, you know, it, it just suction cups on. So you're not like, you know, clamping something or drilling something to the top of the right. rental car. Yeah. Um, so we get down to Innsbruck, we put the rack on the car, the rental car we have, you know, we kind of outfit the rental van that we pick up and usually we get a cargo van. Um, we usually get like a wagon of some kind, um, that can hold like a driver and four people. You get a, um, you get a van that can hold like driver and two people. So we can just stow everything in the back. Um, it's kind of like, we're like this traveling road show of like bike riders or clowns. Of, of Americans. Yeah. Of Americans. Yeah. Here to ride bikes. Yeah. Yeah. 
so we, you know, we'll get in, have a few days to prep everything. The guys get to ride a couple days, you know, just kind of get over the jet lag a little bit and kind of, you know, get used to like how everything is like, okay, it's a little bit different than the U S but it's not too different. Like I kind of get it. And then off to the races we go. So Bob Youngles was a good one to start with because it just, we didn't have a whole lot of pressure on us, um, to get results. We had done the race the year before they really liked us and um the promoters over there um you know it's i'd say again it's a uh was a good it's like high school football be great junior bike racing in europe is like high school football and so the promoters you know they want to put on a good show for the people in the town they want to invite good athletes you know and um so we had some good results there last year and so they're like oh you know lux please come back Um, so we had a good race there this year. We, I think we had a couple guys in the breakaway and then everything reshuffled. And, um, at the end, there was a break that got away without us. And I think we ended up somewhere in the field sprint, but again, I think all but one guy, it was his first race in Europe. And so all of them were like, Oh, this was, it was good to get this out of the way. Right. Um, you know, they're like, okay, I can compete over here. And that was really for like race number one for a lot of guys. Like what you want to do is just, you just get them that experience. So they're like, okay, I can do this. You know, like you don't want to just dive into like the hardest race you can think of because Mm -hmm. that can be demoralizing. And I think that that's the mistake a lot of people have made in the past. And you could probably find some young guy who went to Europe like 15 years ago and he's like, yeah, I just wanted to sign up for the hardest thing I could do. And like, I realized that it was <laughs> way harder than I right. thought. Right. Or they just like, I'm just go- like, I see it in the cyclocross scene. Like they go over for the world cups. Right. So, Oh, I'm just going to go over for the biggest races. I'm not going to go over for the little races. I can do those here. Yeah. But they're not the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Getting on the ground, getting your foot in the door, getting comfortable with how it works is kind of key to every trip. I mean, every trip we start off with a race, it's like, okay, let's kind of, let's kind of ease into it. If, if possible, every once in a while, like we have to take on a big one from the get go. But if you can ease into like a good, like regional type race, then that lets everybody know like, okay, we're, we're good to go. So the guys walked away from that race pretty confident that they were going to be competitive. And, you know, like nowadays you have a good sense how the riders are going to do, you know, we've got all this data, you have all these metrics and you can do all this research online and you can, you know, you can kind of, the riders can kind of put it together in their heads. Like, okay, I think I'm like, I can think I can do this. This should be good. But then you don't really know until you actually do it. Um, And so to get that out of the way is good. And then it's like on to race number two. Um, So pack up from Bob Youngles and drive across uh, France um, to the western side of France um, outside of Bordeaux was where the next race was going to be. And that was the Tour de Dronde. Um, A little two-day stage race, two days, three stages. Um, But we wanted to, you want to get over there early. So I think we left Luxembourg on Monday. We got to France. We got to our Airbnb on Monday night. And 
that was a perfect setup. Like you couldn't ask for anything better. It was a country house outside of, you know, like a probably like 40 minutes outside of Bordeaux in a little village and like cliche, like I'll show you a picture and you'll be like, yeah, that's what I envision like a country house in France looks like. Um, we're kind of in the middle of like all the vineyards too. It's Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. Darn. Um, well, you are with, although, well, they're racing. Never they're mind. racing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> never mind. No, we never drink <laughs> on the trips, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was nice to get set up then. And kind of the way it works is that between the races, like that's downtime for the athletes and they need to get some training in, but that's also a downtime for the staff. Um, so like a race weekend, a race day, it's full gas, you know, from when you wake up, like till when you go to bed. So it could be like, that could be a 6 a.m. to, you know, 11 p.m. day. And right. it just, there's always something coming at you. Even, you know, you can have everything scripted out. You can have a lot of, pe- you know, all the pieces in place that you think you need to have in and something happens you know right it crashes exactly they need a new wheel they need to go to the hospital and get yep. cleaned up or whatever yep. yep yeah like some you know an example would be like a kid crashes like uh the uh medical personnel or somebody the safety personnel for the race pick up his bike and him and the rider gets transported to a hospital you know or emergency room you know like 15 20 minutes away and then his bike goes the other direction and then the race organization, you know, just depends on what kind of race it is. Like if it's a point to point race, like the rider might go one direction, the bike could go another. And so afterwards you kind of have like, you're figuring that out. Like, uh, okay. So Johnny's over here and he's just getting some stitches. Okay. And his bike went here. Okay. So we need to get that. And then we have a podium for our guy in 15 minutes. So you go to the podium you go find, find bike. his bike and then you track him down at the emergency room and then let's try and meet back in like 20 minutes and see where everything is and then <laughs> so yeah, right 20 minutes i think is ambitious yeah yeah two Over hours tw- two <laughs> hours yeah sometimes 20 minutes is just the check-in like okay these are the tasks that we have to accomplish right, now right. so um yeah so there's little stuff like that that happens and Um, so we need the downtime, you know, we need the downtime between races. And so it's, that's also good team bonding time. Um, you have an opportunity to kind of look ahead and like, you know, dial in the plan a little bit more for the next race. Um, and so like the, the downtime is, is always good. Again, like country house in Bordeaux, it's not too shabby. Um, horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, um, we roll into our next race, this little two-day race, Tour de Gironde, and I think the morning stage was like a Saturday morning was like a time trial. The afternoon stage was like a nice road race, like a big loop um, that didn't finish in the same place it started, which is always a neat logistical challenge. And then um, Sunday was a longer race, um, like a longer road race, and that race went pretty good for us. Uh, Vigo Moore got second in the TT in the morning and we were, he was sitting in the hot seat. We were pretty excited about it. And then a young British rider, uh, Josh Tarling came through and 
beat Vigo by probably like 20 seconds. Like Vigo, oh, wow. Vigo did a really good time. You know, when we're getting time checks on the radio, we're like, oh, that's a really good time. Ooh, that's great. Wow, Vigo's looking good. And then probably like five minutes later, was like, whoa, that guy was 20 seconds faster. <laughs> um, Remember that name, right? Yeah, yeah. He was second at Junior Worlds in 2021. So mm. it wasn't terribly surprising, but it was one of those things like, oh, I didn't know he was here. Oh, whoa. Like he's here. He, he's here, yeah. Um, so we had kind of a – it was kind of neat then the next – for the afternoon stage, like – you know, it's set up just like the tour. You have the leader who's in the yellow jersey, the second place guy. He's second on points, so he's got the green jersey. So Vigo had the green jersey in the afternoon. That's awesome. Yeah, and then um, uh, we got uh, um, Vigo got a call up, and we got you know I think we were car number two in the caravan order, which is nice because you can actually see the bike race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you would think following behind the race in a car that you're going to get to see some of the bike race. But if your car 15, 20 or further back, you know, you're just listening to the radio and uh, following a following line a of line, cars, following a line of cars. Yeah. 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 So it's almost like being, it's not quite like being stuck in traffic, but a little bit like being stuck in traffic, you know, interspersed with moments of sheer terror, yeah. like pull over and get that kid a bike and take off again. Right. Right. <laughs> At, 23 to 27 miles an hour yeah all day long yeah exactly yeah um so the afternoon stage there played out pretty well for us one of our um other guys luke fetzer attacked with i think like six or seven k to go so about four miles and he got caught in the last hundred meters he still hung on for third place which is a great result for him and um that was a real positive vigo ended up like getting caught behind a gap in the field again just like the tour like that gap opens up he lost a couple seconds and so we dropped down on the gc placings um so you know it was it was still a good day you know like we're still we we took a podium. Mm-hmm. We're eighth overall. I mean, you can't rode in the green jersey. Yeah, exactly. You know, stuff like that. It's like you can't, you know, you can't be too disappointed with that. You know, considering like, you know, two decades ago, juniors were coming home crying like I can't right. do this. You right. know, so like we're in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. In context, your goal is to introduce these kids to European racing. Yep. So yeah, it, yeah results are yeah. In my view, bonus. Maybe not in somebody yeah. else's view but yeah i see that is pure bonus yeah um and in fact i just got a text before the podcast started that luke fetzer got third second at the tour de la Bidibi stage oh, today great um, wow. which is a big junior nations cup race up in canada that's going on right now and yep. he went there with the national team and so that's that's great for that's great for Luke. It's great for the U.S. It's great for Lux. Um, we needed a result on that stage, and so that's that's a good one. Awesome! Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then our last day in Gironde was pretty straightforward. Just a kind of a tough road race. Um, it was again not a circuit, but a point to point, and I don't think we had any big result to speak of in the stage on the day but Vigo ended up eighth overall and so that was a 
really nice result for us. Really happy about that. Um, and then it was back to the country house in France for um, a couple days, kind of recharge a little bit. And then we had a race in Switzerland. Mm, um, cool. So at this point, we're probably like about 10, 11 days into the trip. So we're kind of at that halfway point. Um, where we were on Western France is about, it was about like 11, 12 hours to Switzerland where we had to go mm. for the race. Um, and are the roads in Switzerland as nice as they say they are? Yes, they yeah. are actually. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and it's funny, like, you know, like you, you know, you, you kind of like you stop in like a town in France, like, you know, as you're heading over then towns in France are really nice, really nice. And then like, you know, you kind of know right away based on like the buildings and the architecture, like you can just tell. Yeah. Well, we're, we're across the border. We're yeah. someplace different. Yeah. Oh, huh, that's super interesting. Yeah. It, it really is. You know, it's like you, um, you know, I guess, you know, if we think about the U S and like the different regions, it's like, you know, like you can kind of tell, like, you know, you go to say like you, end up in like long beach california you're like all right i'm in long beach you know and then you end up in like you know uh biloxi mississippi you're like yeah this kind of looks like biloxi mississippi or this yeah, is kind of yep, like yep. small town illinois like okay yeah you kind of have a sense yep, yeah yeah yep. um so we we're not going to make a 12-hour drive in one day like usually the max we can drive with athletes is like right around like six seven hours like you just get tired and um so we had planned to stop um, and Borg Duzan, which is the town at the base of Alpe d'Huez. Oh, cool. Um, so we were going to stay there a couple days. Um, and I brought you back a souvenir. Ooh, like Ooh I love Alpe d'Huez. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that little guy, I think that's like a marmot or something. But there's like, you know, th the whole nother side conversation is like the animals of Europe. You're like, that looks like a woodchuck but what is that like it's <laughs> kind of like it's like a european woodchuck you know right like the actual animal yeah yeah not yeah the cartoon version right of right that, right yeah yeah huh. that's um, awesome dude i love that yeah so um so we were uh, tomorrow help to us tomorrow oh yeah yeah oh, very fitting yes absolutely fireworks um, fireworks today yeah fireworks tomorrow in france yeah crazy um and that that climb is uh, you you can't really, not to sound all shishi, but you can't really know how hard that thing is until you just go do it. And it's, parts of it aren't even that bad, but the first part of the climb is so steep. Like the first two corners that you're like, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I don't think there's I can. There's 21 of these? Yeah, there's 21 of these. Yeah, there's a funny story about that. I'll tell you that in a second. But, um so we're going to stay at the foot of Alpe d'Huez. We picked up this cool hotel. Like, it, you know, and you don't really, I didn't really know it was like a cool hotel. It was just like, okay, this is how much money we have to spend. This is how many nights we need. This is how many places we, how many rooms we need. And like, is it bike friendly? Like, can I park the van? Can I park the car? Can I, you know, can we store the bikes in there? Okay, this looks like this is going to work. And we show up and it was like, the it was literally the hotel that all the bike riders stay. Like if you're a bike tourist and you go to Alpe d'Huez and you want to stay in Borg Duzon, like you stay there. Hmm, perfect. So it was perfect, yeah. 
Um, so they're super nice people. And um, we just, we had a blast. There's an amazing bicycle shop right across the street. Um, just an amazing experience. And I, I, I imagine that every bike shop is like a museum. Uh, um, yeah. Or are they modern? They're, now. It's like a little of both, but even yeah. still, like the modern, you know, like the um, the equivalent of Bike World in you know Bordeaux, France, is pretty rad. I mean, you know, shameless plug for Bike World. Bike World's pretty rad. It is, you know. But then, like, um, it's like, but they know, have like legit jerseys hanging. Yeah, in, yeah. Photos signed by yeah. Fausto Culpi yeah. or yeah. Jacques Anquetil or yeah, like their local hero. You know, like oh, he did the tour seven times yeah he just lives down the street he comes in and gets his bike worked on yeah there's that's that's everywhere yeah um or you know you talk to the guy behind the counter he's like oh you guys are in town for this junior race oh i did that like a long ago when i was a junior and like yeah and then i raced pro for a few years oh like what team oh fdj and you're like you're like holy cow like he's like yeah but it didn't work out so i'm working at i manage this bike shop now and you know it's like they it seems you know, but it's a big deal over there. Right. You know, right. like it's like the equipment. Well, I mean, it's probably not much different than going to a high school football team that's coached by a guy who used to play for Iowa State. And exactly. And played for Green Bay for eight years, and now he's back at his hometown and yeah. coaching football. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. 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 And so, it, you know, it's. I mean, these are all real people, right? You know, like, so they, you know, they have, you know, it's not just the guy you see on TV. There's like, you know, more to them, right? You you, know, they're human. They're human, just like us. Yeah. And so it's always neat when you encounter that. Like last year at the World Championships, like there was a, a guy who's checking off the list of the team cars as we come up to follow our riders. And, you know, his name tag is Laurent Bizalt. And I'm like a 18-year-old kid following the tour and Laurent Bizalt was on the look team and I was like oh Laurent Bizalt hey you were on like you know this is last year look from 1986 like 1987 he's like oh he's like oh yeah he's like you are oh yeah he's like you are you know a fan of cycling of course you are you were here with the U.S. team I was like yeah it's just I just thought that was really cool that you're like here checking off names and so that's (laughs) awesome you know but again like it's the guy who you know High school football hero goes and plays at Iowa State, you know, plays with, you know, is with Green Bay or Chicago for a couple of years, you know, and then like, what's he going to do when he gets back? He's like, well, I really don't want to get a job like a, you know, I really don't want to sell insurance, which there's nothing wrong with that. He's like, you know, if I could, you know, kind of make a living, like if I could be the high school football coach, maybe run some camps and do that, if I can just kind of keep doing my thing, that would be really nice. And so you encounter all these, you know, old school pros like in the cycling world overseas because that's what happens to them that's where they go they're like well you know i don't want to you know i don't want to run the air conditioning business that my brother owns like here in bordeaux so i'm gonna just work for like the local bike shop and you know rep look bikes anyway um that's (laughs) awesome so i i digress dave um so what we do yeah (laughs) um so anyway we're standing at Borg goes on, um, and of course, like day one, it's like, well, we got to go ride up to us. It's the whole point of being here. We're going to be there two and a half days. It's like, so let's get some bike rides in. And um, again, like everybody's just kind of on like our holiday schedule, which is like, hey, get up, get breakfast in the morning, go for a ride at 10, 
make sure that you check in with the mechanic if anything needs to be worked on so you can work on it after the ride and then you know dinner is this time like you know kick back rest check out stuff around town and um you know dinner's at 6 30 and like we'll you know and then we'll you know tomorrow night we'll have a meeting about what the rest of the trip's going to look like psh, head out um so that was a that was a really really nice time again like those you, those moments between the races are just a good like reset point and that was just a a super cool place to reset at um yeah i went up alp duez so i hadn't planned on going up it on the first day i headed out of town with the boys um and our soignier robert um and robert's uh from poland um robert robert's a couple of years younger than me he's in his like early 40s like early mid 40s and he raced juniors he raced u23s and then he decided hey i'm gonna you know maybe i'm not gonna make it at the highest level in bike racing i'm gonna go you know go back to school or something um so last probably like last 10 years he's been a soignier and he's amazing he's um he's worked the tour i think five or six times he worked for bmc and high road some of those you know iconic teams um and then he spent the last five six years working for usa cycling in their junior program mm. and just in s working for some other teams too um so he is just like a uh an ocean of knowledge mm -hmm. you know and again it's like that you know, uh, it's like kind of the old school European knowledge. Like, yeah, the boys are getting ready to like dive into the swimming pool. And he's like, Hey, he's like, be careful with the swimming. It takes the energy out of the legs, you know? And so you're laughing. You're kind of thinking about it like, Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And there's thinking, I was like, well, I always would, when I was a kid, like I go play in the pool, I come home and I'd be wrecked. Right. And I see it with my kids too. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like, all right. So it's just that stuff, you know, you know, Robert doesn't have like the, um, you know, PhD in exercise physiology to be able to say, oh, this is exactly, he's just like, mm, no. Make you Th tired. Yeah, this makes you tired. Yep. You're like, okay. And so like by the end of the trip, the boys are like, well, Robert said that we should do this. I was like, yeah, he's totally right. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so Robert heads out of town with the boys um, and Robert's still super fit himself. Um, and he's like, oh, he's like, today, he's like, I think we'll do Les Deux Alps and maybe we'll go partway up the Col de Quad de Fer, which are two really big climbs, you know, they've been in the tour. And I was like, yeah, I think I'll roll out of town with you guys and see how I feel. And then go get coffee. Maybe go get coffee. <laughs> I'm on director pace. Right. Um, not, so <laughs> not 18 year old kid pace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Robert. Uh, and the boys take off and I kind of see right away like, okay, yeah, they're, we're cruising at 23, 24 miles an hour. And I, yeah, I'm more like 15, 16 right now. So I'm going to turn around. Um, so I turned around and I headed back to town and I was like, well, I guess Alp Duez is right there. Like, let's just go up the first two corners and see. Oh, you can't do that. Exactly. Yeah. And so like I start going up and like, yeah, just. I started going Just up the hill more. and it, yeah. And it was like, Holy cow. Like this is so incredibly steep. Like this is, and I'm thinking back to like the 2001 tour where, you know, postal comes on to the, 
bottom and they're sprinting, you know, the, the day of the look between Lance mm-hmm. and, and Jan. Mm-hmm. And um, I <laughs> just I do my best Phil Liggett. <laughs> Lance Armstrong looks back at Ulrich as if to say, I'm having a go. Are you coming <laughs> or not? Yeah. I don't remember that day at all. Yeah. Um, and just I remember them like sprinting up the first to the first corner. And I was like, oh, I like this is insane. I mean, I'm. I'm my late forties. I'm out of shape. You know, I've barely ridden on this trip and it's like, I'm not, and I'm, you know, had plenty of, you know, good Belgian beer. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not getting up this fast at all. It's like, all right, let's just get to the first corner. And then it's like, well, let's get to the second corner. And then, you know, like the thing that probably makes us, helps us enjoy the sport of cycling or riding is that we're stubborn. We're like, I can ride five more miles. Like, you know, like if I ride five more miles, it's like 50 miles. Like that's a nice round number. Like I don't want to ride 43 and a half. Like, <laughs> right. Like 50. Right. Yeah. Yep. So I'm like, all right, well, let's just get one more. And then it's like, okay, let, let's get, let's get the first third out of the way. You know, it's like, all right, well now we're on turn number 14. It's like, all right, well, let's at least go to halfway. And it's like, oh, if I get past halfway, it's like we should be up there. And I'm just, I'm literally creeping along, you know, five, six miles an hour. But it's like, the other piece of that is like, okay, I'm like a middle-aged, out-of-shape guy. It's like, I can't really blow up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I, I need to make sure I can get back. Right, right. <laughs> um. So, yeah, just gradually, like, making my way up and, you know, um, getting there. I can see the village. I'm like, all right, we're almost there. Like, turn number four. Yeah, okay. And then there's a sign in the road that says deviation. I was like, oh, it looks like they're doing road construction over there. I was like, all right, well, I mean, the sign says deviation. There's a nice-looking road over there. I guess I'll turn right here and keep going. Um and then all of a sudden, there's no more signs. There's no more, you know, next sign should be, like, sign number three, right? right? And the the mystique of Alpe d'Huez is it's 21 yeah. hairpin turns. Now, the key to that is hairpin turns, okay? Oh, so not turns. 21 hairpin turns. There's some other turns in there, but they're not hairpins. And so it's 21 hairpin turns. So I get to a hairpin turn, and there's no number. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And, you know, again, we're stubborn individuals right and so it's just i'm like oh, well, i'm gonna keep going i'm gonna keep going i was like i, I was like alp duez is it's, the village is right there it's like just coming so slowly finally i get to the top and there's this little sign it says alp duez it's like the town sprint sign right it mm-hmm. says alp duez and so i'm like oh i made it and i was like well, where did all, i don't know where any of the signs are you know there's no turn one you've made right. it so i put my bike next to the alp duez sign take a picture of it and then ride around town, I come to find out that the day before we went up the climb, they started doing construction on the main route with three turns to go to tune it up for the stage tomorrow. Awesome. So, <laughs> so I, found a, I found a little cafe bike shop, got a Coke, and they were like, oh, like, yeah, that's the new route that they have just for the next month while they're fixing the road. Like you actually climbed 400 feet higher Oh, and you did like an additional, like seven turns. I'm like, Oh, great. Wow. I was like, so then of course you, you did the super Alp Duez. Yeah. But then it's like, so I didn't do the full route. It's like, all right, I can't not, 
do the full route. So on the way back down, I was like, you know, road construction be damned. I'm going to go through the road construction just so I can, I have to be able to say like I rode all of Alpe d'Huez. So Fair. yeah. So anyway, so made it to top, made it back down and yeah. That's and awesome. What was going down? Like, how are your hands? Um, it wasn't that bad, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah. These disc brake bikes aren't, you know, it's not, a, it's not like old side pole yeah. where your hands are cramped after. Yeah four turns yeah you know like the retro grouchiness was poo-pooing disc brakes a few years ago and you know it's taken me a little while to get used to them um but i have to say going downhill i was like wow these disc brakes are pretty nice so yeah it was definitely a couple spots where i was like i'm really tired like i hope i can break for this turn (laughs) (laughs) well the beauty of disc brakes especially hydraulic disc brakes right yeah well, I, we could go on forever about yeah. your European yeah. trip, uh, but I do want to get to the uh, the seven um, Stars and Stripes jerseys that you brought home. Talk yeah. a little bit about uh, three of them, but, uh, <laughs> um, well, give me a, a Cliff Notes version, if you can think of uh, each Stars and Stripes jersey that you guys brought home. Like, can you do, can you, yeah, off the top of your head? Yeah, yeah. So, Cliff Notes version, and then I have one in particular I want to okay. ask you, uh, yeah, in more detail about. Um, so, Cliff Notes version. So, the ladies, um, were in Knoxville at Pro Nats, um, and you know, Marissa was there with us. So, she is, yeah, our, she did road, yep, na- elite road Nats, yep, yep. So, she's our elite woman, and then every one else falls in the u23 category so day one um is the time trial and we've got some very good time trialists on the team we were thinking we would do well and zoe Taperez took third overall out of all the women on the day and then won the u23 jersey wow yeah that was huge um how old is she uh 21 21 if i'm correct yeah yep um so huge result for her um, and I think even sweeter because she had taken most of 2020 and all of 2021 off from competitive cycling. Just she wanted to hit the reset button, find her love for it again, um, and kind of find some balance. And she did, and then has just been riding tremendously this year. Um, so that was a great day one. And Olivia Cummins was second. Um, and then we had some other great results uh, in there. Like I think Marissa was top 15. I can't remember exactly, but really solid ride. Um, the next race up was the Criterium. And we were hoping again to get a really good result in the U23s and possibly overall. Olivia Cummins is uh, just one of the top Criterium riders in the U.S. right now. One of the top sprinters. Um and she took fifth on the day and then won the U23 jersey. So just, a again, a really excellent ride on her part. Um, and I think she was in, you know, that's a tough, the, the pro, that race is just a really tough race. You know, you've got um, Legion, um, you know. Yes. You know. Say no more. The best women's criterium team out there right now. Yep. in my opinion. And so, um, and they've, I mean, that's yeah. intentional. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
so yeah, that was a great result for Olivia and um, she had had kind of a rough go over the winter with mono and she, she got, she dodged COVID, but got mono and um, she had kind of some bad luck and some crashes earlier this year. So that, I think that was um, vindication for her. Um, Jersey number three was Zoe again as the U23 road race champ. Um, that road race in Knoxville is really tough. Um, you've got a couple good climbs. It's always hot, always hot, humid. Um, and that race just breaks up. It just, you know, people are coming out the back and there's like a small group finish. Um, so Zoe just rode a tremendous race that day. Um, and the team, um, you know, was all in, I think, to see if they could make it three for three for the weekend. And um, I know Marissa put in a lot of good work for her that day also. Um, and so they did it. You know, I, I can't remember what place Zoe got overall, but she was the top U23 rider um, easily. I think she was top 20 overall. Um, awesome. Yeah. So that was just a great weekend for the women. I mean, that's a um, – yeah, you can't ask for anything better than that, right? You're right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And so then Roy, I'm texting Roy every day, and I was like, you got to go on the road more. You're like three for three this week. And he's laughing. He's like, yeah. He's like, um, okay. <laughs> you know, It's all him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all him. So that was the the women yep. from Lux. And uh, how about the gentlemen? Gentlemen, yeah. So then the next week, um, was junior national championships and that was out in Virginia and the two events kind of back to back prevent present like an interesting logistical challenge because, um, like we needed to have people at the junior event before the pro event was ending. Just, we like to get there a few days early and get yep. everybody settled in. So, Myself and Jim Lehman, who's our other director, we flew in on Saturday, previewed some of the courses, and were ready for all the juniors when they got in the next day. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a just a, another really good week. Um, and all these results are really just down to you know the hard work that the athletes put in. The, but then we, you know, I think one of the things that really adds a lot to it. One of the things I know adds a lot to it is like, we just try and go the extra mile to make sure that there's just a nice framework, a nice system in place for the athletes. So they can just kind of be on autopilot and focus on the events. And, um, it, to be there a couple of days early, we get to preview the course the next day the riders come in and we kind of help the riders get ready. And, you know, there's a mechanic there early to kind of help them out, like with any bike problems that they might have. And then, you know, a Swanier gets in early just to kind of help, you know, shepherd the kids. I, mean, I think we had 11, 12 athletes that week and just for juniors. And so just having people to kind of, okay, like lunch is ready. Like, let's go get lunch, you know, keep them eating. You know, it's a lot of parenting mm -hmm. and cat herding. Um, so day one, yeah, is the time trial and, you know, we've got some great time trials on the team, but it's not, you know, a national championship is never a foregone conclusion. It doesn't matter if you're the 800 pound gorilla 
in the Peloton or if you're the underdog, like, you know, it's just who shows up on the day and who really wants to win it. Um, Mm -hmm. Alex Gustin won the men's 17, 18 time trial and he's a kind of a time trial specialist. That's his gig. And he's kind of poured his entire season into it. Um, and so he, he knocked it out of the park. Like he, um, won the TT second place was a second and a half behind him. Wow. Yeah. And then third place I think was like 40 seconds back. Oh my. Um, yeah. So he just did a tremendous ride. Um, and that was great to see like all his hard work come to fruition, but then also just from the, the team, you know, just everything we do to get that in place. It's like the same with the ladies too. Like it's just so incredibly satisfying. Um, and it never gets old. Mm-hmm. It, it never does. Um, so it was great to kind of get that first one. And then that was also an automatic spot to the world championships for Alex. And so that was a big one too. It's like, okay, we got this. Um, that was great. Um, next race up was the road race and we had previewed this course in Virginia and just, uh, it was going to be a tough road race. It wasn't crazy hilly. Um, but it was just kind of unrelenting just these, all these little rollers, kind of like that day at Ragbri where you're like, God, I thought Iowa was flat. Yeah. It's not flat. Up yeah. and down, up yeah. and down, up yeah. and down. Yep. Um, so it was a really good course and I got to give kudos to USA cycling for the courses that we had for nationals this year. Um, they worked really, really hard to pull that together and, um, they did a good job with it. They did a really good job. And, you know, there'll be a lot of people throw darts at them and be like, ah, it was, you know, could have always, been, but, uh, but, always, the, yep. but the flip side of that is like, like they had a lot of challenges to find a good location for nationals and they did, they found a really good location for nationals. Um, so the road race to, you know, we had an idea what we wanted to do. We wanted to get Vigo more, one of our 18 year olds. We wanted to get him the win. So he had an opportunity to go to the world championships. Vigo was, slated to go last year and he got in a really bad crash in training and had to miss the world championships. And so we wanted to see if we could get him that opportunity. Um, everything was kind of working out according to plan. I think Vigo and a teammate and two hot tubes riders, probably the two best hot tubes riders, um, with a couple other guys were off the front with like, I mean, probably 50 miles to go. Um, and so we're like, okay, this looks like the winning break. Um, we lost one of our guys out of there. So it was Vigo versus two hot tubes riders and like one more rider. And you've seen this play out. You're like, that's going to be hard. You know, those two guys, they have that advantage for sure. And, um, you know, we were able to, we were able to see like the final K from where we were the the where we're standing at the finish line so you can see like the final k and so we see him come into the final k and um vigo um just plays it perfectly and then is in the perfect position for the sprint he gets uh the hot tube guys lead it out and he comes around artem schmidt who's an exceptional exceptional rider for hot tubes one of the best juniors in America in the world actually. And, um, in Vigo gets him, 
you know, by a bike length and just, I mean, I think I, I actually literally fell over <laughs> um, awesome. and then sprinted over to, you know, give him a big hug. So that was, um, that was great. So Vigo gets the automatic spot to wow. Worlds. So that was just a, a again, a, a fantastic day. And again, not a foregone conclusion at all. I mean, Hot Tubes has a, a really deep team this year really good junior kids. Artem is one of the best juniors in the world this year. And, you know, Vigo is too, but again, you see, you've seen that numerical advantage and uh, for sure. Yeah. All, all day. Yeah. Like, did you see the tour today? Yeah. Speaking exactly. of numerical advantage. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can just go after a guy when there's yep. two or more of you and, yep. and it, it, it eventually will. Yeah. Can break. Yeah. break you but uh sometimes yeah. it doesn't yeah and just again like like every time it plays out like it's 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 just such an so awesome you know? you know cycling is such a game of chess and you know you've got a pawn and your king left yeah and you lose the pawn and somehow like you can maneuver and still find a way to win the game. Yeah. And yeah. that's super satisfying. Yeah. But it, it's a game of chess. Yeah. You and know, it, it's it's not just like, oh, I'm stronger. Yeah. I ride away from you. No, no, no. You you're you're Yeah. You're toying with strategy that whole whole way in. Yeah. And it says a lot about the quality of the rider too. Not just the physical capability, but just the the race sense and the the sports the athleticism and just kind of pulling it all together because it's like to to i mean to just be thinking like four moves ahead like how do i get this situation to work out exactly because it's got to work out just right there's like okay there's like millions of permutations but there's only like a handful that are gonna like that are really gonna ensure that I have a a, the, a good shot at this, you know? Yep. Like, cause that you can like two on one is always. So yeah, to see that come together it was just like, oh man, that's, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so the other two national championships that week were from Catherine Sarkasov, um, our junior woman, and she had a really good year last year. She was on a different team last year when she was 17. So this year she's 18. She's racing for Lux and she's had a solid year all year. And Catherine's a, Catherine's a high performer. She's that straight A student, you know, she's got everything dialed, you know, she's looking at Ivy league schools and, you know, she's a fierce competitor and, you know, she had a couple setbacks like in the weeks before and she's like, I just ho- I hope I'm good at nationals. We're like, Hey, you're going to be, you're going to be fine. And so at the road race or at the time trial, she pulled off a great win in the time trial. Um, you know, everything came together. Like we had good warm up, good prep. And, um, she just rode a, a great time trial in the morning. I think had the win by like 20 or 30 seconds. So, Whoa. yeah. And she's, you know, you'd look at her and you'd be like, Whoa, she's like, you're, she's a, she can time trial. Like, yeah, she can time trial. Um, and the next day in the road race, like that time trial win, just boom, put her confidence. She's like, okay, I'm good. Like I'm feeling good. And then the next day in the road race, I think she, she and another rider broke away halfway through and had like a minute on the field and she handily won the sprint. So it was back to back. Um, so she's getting a, 
automatic spot for worlds as well and so again like you know from a development team perspective to have your riders like win get results and then get those spots to go to the world championships i mean it's mission accomplished um so it was good to end a couple weeks of national championships it's like well we've got a lot done and and so that's that's exciting and just you know like winning a national championship is like that that could be the culmination of a career right for sure you you win the 55 plus masters time trial you're like i'm out you know i I would be yeah yeah (laughs) i would hang my whole hat on that yeah yeah um you know i i i produced another podcast for um central iowa sports network the cisn radio podcast and we've been focusing on the des moines menace this summer we've had in um assistant coaches the gm and some players and uh the um head coach and one of the things i've picked up on listening to their conversations as i'm producing is the system for a kid and maybe the answer is to not have me be a soccer coach to five-year-olds because none of them (laughs) played soccer any any further than that but um really from five-year-olds up to the pros like it feels like there's a system, and I'm sure it's not as organized as it sounds in my ears, mm-hmm. but uh, it seems like there's a system that really can help. If there's, a, if there's a little kid who's watching soccer with starry eyes, mm-hmm. it seems like there's a system in place to help move that kid from one level to the next, mm-hmm. all the way to the pros, if they have the talent mm-hmm. and work ethic and mentality. And in cycling, golly. I mean, it just seems like, and I look at um, Brody, I've seen so many juniors, good, ju- get really good, and then they just disappear, you know, get to a national level, they get to hot tubes level, mm-hmm. and then poof, mm-hmm. you know, they're 18 and they're gone. Um, but, uh, you know, Brody, um, Burnham, mm-hmm. who's up in Canada mm-hmm. right now, um, you know, he would show up at our little Thursday night mm-hmm. criterium, little pudgy, I don't know, he was probably 12 or mm-hmm. 10 or mm-hmm. 11 or whatever. Mm-hmm. There was no system for him. There mm-hmm. was just mom and dad who took him everywhere he wanted to go. And for some reason, he wanted to go. Yeah. But what would you say? There's some kid, you know, watching the Tour de France on TV right now and thinking, God, that's really freaking cool. Mm-hmm. I want to do that. Yeah. How do they get there? And I know the, the Lux Cycling Development Team plays a role in that, but mm-hmm. how do you even find kids? How do kids find you? Yeah. What do you do with them when you're done? Yeah. That's yeah. A probably that's probably a whole freaking podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. another hour. Yeah. But, but I just thought of that when I was listening. I was like, I don't, I mean, I know there's development teams. I know there's a national team, mm-hmm. but I don't feel that there is a system and yeah. i grew up and i know there's i mean i started i was a cat four yep and i earned some points and i moved up to a three and i earned some points and yep um you know there's that system but it feels different than what i listen to and probably is different in basketball and football and yeah and baseball and all of that in america anyway yeah i with a lot of our um sports they have they're institutionalized, meaning they're a part of 
a young person's life from like a very early age on and sports are attached to schools. Um, right. And that helps tremendously. Um, and it, I mean, sport is such a wonderful thing for people of all ages. Um, and it's, I mean, it's part of our, it's part of our everyday life in America. Right. Um, and some sports have that, um, uh, unfortunate consequence of not being affiliated with the school Mm -hmm. and cycling is one of those. And so that makes it harder for people to progress in it. You've got to find your own way, you know? Um, I think some of that is that like we, we have this American love affair with cars, right? And so I'll, I'll, I'll not, I'll bring it back around here in a second, but the bike has been like the first mode of transportation for everybody. And it's like that first taste of freedom and all that. And then we have the, just the way that a lot of stuff is laid out in our country, just with communities and everything. It's like riding from point A to point B for transportation purposes isn't as um, convenient or as it's not as convenient as like having a car. So as soon as you're able to like drive, you know, you hang the bike up and yeah, yeah, you drive, you know, it's different now though. I mean, I remember like being 15 and I had my permit and you know, and it's like, I was driving right away. Now that I know kids who are like 18, 19 who don't have driver's license, but I think that's kind of what happens with the bike. And so the bike doesn't get viewed as a sport, it's kind of like, hey, this is what this is how you ride around as a kid. I like going for a bike ride. Yeah. Yeah. Until you get your car. Until and you yeah. don't have to. Yeah. yeah. And so then you know, like, so now that sense of freedom, that expression of freedom you had, where it's like, hey, I'm going to ride over to Jimmy's house in the other side of town. I'm going to ride to the pool. You know, like that. Suddenly, it's like, oh, I'm going to drive over to like Steve's house, and we're going to go hang out, and I'll be back in like four or five hours. You know, after dark. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think as we start to, and I've seen this over the last couple decades and you have to as people have started to say like hey i like riding my bike you know i'm you know i like this rag thing let's go do that let's go do that every year that's a fun event hey i kind of like this gravel thing let's go ride on these gravel roads and like you can see stuff you can't see from these paved roads and mountain biking all that so i think things are starting to change and the bike is now becoming more of um it's becoming more of a sport than it was before obviously it is um, so, you know, how do we then transition that and like make it so that every school has like a high school cycling Do you team? think that's the key? I think that helps out a ton. And yeah. I think, you know, like we're starting to see that already, right? Like Sepp Kuss at the tour. Sepp Kuss, you know, is, if I'm correct, like a, a product of like Nika. Yeah. I, I think a lot of. Yeah. People whose names we yep. hear of are products of Nika or yep. something similar. Yeah. 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 I, I think you're right about that. Yeah. And um, I think that the model that they have um, kind of said, hey, this is how we want to approach things, I think works really, really well. Um, and it's also just a lot easier for mountain bikes, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like to take the Nika model and then apply it to like, road cycling 
um, is a little more difficult. You know, I think Nika succeeds because you've got this closed course, right? Like, Hey, like I'm going to drop my kid off a mountain bike practice. Like he's going to zip around the park with the coach and, you know, they're going to do some skills and stuff. And then they're going to have like an hour riding and, you know, like all good, Yep. you know, like, you know, I don't think any parents going to go for like, I'm going to drop my kid off in Waukee and then I'm going to pick him up over in Ankeny like an hour and a half later. And you guys are going to ride through, you know, uh, you guys are going to ride North of town on some of those roads and all that. So I think it could be done, but again, like it's that, I think it's that closed course, that attention and it's, you know, it's more like a traditional sport, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Nike has picked up on a lot of things, but also I think, you know, like, I think the mountain bike is a great way to like pull kids in, you know? And then I think what we see from a lot of kids is like, they're like, I really want to get better at mountain biking. And somebody's like, Hey, you should try this road biking thing, you know, like go do some training on the road. And they're like, Oh, and then they're like, Hey, this road biking thing is kind of cool. Like I go faster. I can ride further. Like I got some, this mountain, this road bike's got some cool stuff. Like there's these, we tires you glue on and electronic shifting and you know so i don't think it matters too much like if if it's nika or criteriums or time trials or track racing i think you just get the kids into some organized like league like that Mm -hmm. and that's gonna grow and i think the um i think the other thing too is that with with high school football with like our with our Ball sports are sports that are attached to schools, these institutionalized sports. Um, It's all about the kids, okay? And um, like the race I put on this weekend, like I had one kid's race, you know? And four kids? Four or five kids, yeah. Yeah. And that's just kind of, you know, and some of that is like it's, it's July, people are on vacation, but there's, you know, there's not. 500 junior riders in right, Iowa right, right now that all live around Des Moines that can show up. And so, you know, it's a numbers game, but I think when you go to a NICA weekend and you see like 300 kids racing and the parents are on the sidelines and it's all about the kids, like then it kind of clicks like, okay, there's something about this formula. When you go to Europe, it's the same thing. There's not like, you know, at the local Kermes in, for Hudstadt, you know, or wherever in Belgium, there's not like eight races all day. There's, there's maybe two, like there'll be like the elite men's race. And then like, there might be like an elite women's race or something. But frequently, like when you go to a race, like in Belgium, Belgium's a great example. Like there's just one bike race. That's it. You know, it's like Thursday afternoon. Hey, I'm going to go to the race over in Verhoudstadt. You know, it's like, there's just one bike race. It's the elite men. You know, they race for two and a half hours. You know, everybody has a beer at the pub afterwards. You know, that's where they have the awards too. So bikes and beer kind of go hand in hand in Belgium. So um, so is that like a legit race or is that like Tuesday Night World Championship? That's like a legit race. Okay. That's like, like you a, sign up and put a number on and yeah. there's a yeah. finish. Yeah. It's different than the Tuesday yeah. Night World Championships where you yeah. show up and kill each other and yeah. go yeah. have a beer afterwards. Yeah. So like think of like my – think of like the race I put on on Sunday except – you know, it's like the only race that's going on is the one, two race. That's it. Hmm. And so like people are hanging out in the park, drinking beer, like, Oh, I'm here to watch the one, two race. You know, like I know these guys Mm -hmm. and then all the one, two guys show up and they do the race. And then after the race is over, like everybody just takes off and goes home. They just do one race. So 
with the junior races, like it's just one race. Oh, it's like, sure. that's it. So it's like, Oh, we're having a junior bike race. He, you know, here in Antwerp on Sunday. Great. Okay. All the juniors from around show up and mm. that's it. And Belgium is different. It's like a tiny country. So the ideas and the system uh, systems that they use don't necessarily apply like here in the U.S., a huge But country. NICA does. NICA, yep. and that's NICA's model is like, okay, this this Saturday we've got one race, like the yeah. the, the varsity boys, then the varsity girls, and yep. then the, yeah. everybody else never, like a cross-country meet. Yeah, exactly. Like a high school cross-country meet. Yeah. And uh, all the kids know that, like, that's where they show up, and they can get, like, there's it's like club stuff after school. Yep, yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, can we implement some system like that on a larger scale in the U.S.? Probably. Um, you know, I think it's just gradually like it's gonna, it's like little baby steps, you know. Um, and I think we can definitely get there. Um, it's just going to, you know, it's, it's, it's always that's been like the challenge in mm-hmm. this country is um, like USA Cycling kind of has to approach stuff like from the very top down and then almost from like the very bottom up, you know, right. like they provide a great system for national team programs and juniors, like get them over to Europe. We can get into the biggest races. We can be competitive and they've done a really good job at that. And then from an entry level now, they're making it really easy for like, Hey, like here's resources to find a bike race. You know, you need to be a licensed racer. Here's a bunch of stuff to kind of point you in that direction. And so now it's like those like eight, 10 steps in between, right. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we get, how do we get the kid who's 13, who did rag who wants to do a criterium? How do we keep him doing that? You know, what do we do? And I think that's the, that's the trick. And Building out that system is going to be hard. We've got a lot of good pieces in place. It's just now, like, what can we do to fill that in? I think there's a junior national cup coming next year um, from the promoters of Intelligentsia and Toad. A couple promoters have gotten together to promote something. You know, I'll show you some info on it. But it's it's a great idea, and it's something that I think has existed in the past, and it's like, you know, it needs to come back. Like every sport needs that series, you know, like we have, like we have NASCAR, right? You got Mm -hmm. a series you can follow. Like we have football, like, okay, you know, who's leading the NFC West, you know, you know how you get to the Super Bowl, right? So if we have a series of races for people to compete in, they're like, oh, if I do this, this gets me somewhere. And if it's um, kind of at a national level that kids can look up, to and say I want to do that like yeah I mean, there's the freaking little league world series right, exactly 10 year olds go to the world series yep and uh you know they're starry eyed and it's like something they want to do and yeah you know parents will crawl out of their skin <laughs> yeah to get their kids to whatever they want you know yeah like if your kid's into something like you know parents will do whatever they they can to support their kids a, a lot of parents anyway not all of them but yeah um uh yeah, that that junior the thing you're talking about there, intelligentsia and toad coming together and promoting something for juniors like the, I mean that Canadian race. Yeah. Say the name. 
uh, Abitibi, Tour de, Tour de l'Abitibi. So, little little side note. Uh, typically in the U.S. we say Abitibi, but the, Cana- right. the Canadians yes. are like it's actually Abitibi, but we just don't tell you that so that we know. <laughs> so that we can look down our noses at you. <laughs> yeah, yes, we get that one. Yeah. Uh, but that's a super great big deal. And yeah. like if a kid's coming up in the junior um, world, then, I yeah. mean, hey, I want to go do that. Yeah. And we just need more race series like Intelligentsia and Tour of America's Dairyland. I mean, just, you know, it's like summer vacation, go race crits for like a week, you know. And, you know, like – it's a cool experience. Like the kid who's leading, he gets a leader's jersey, you get a trophy, yep. you know, you get up on the podium. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what you, that's what you want, right? Like you want that experience. Like it's great to win like a hundred bucks, but when somebody just hands you a check, like around the back of like an RV on a race <laughs> right. weekend, right. you're like, Oh, that's cool. But eh. I kind of go for the podium photo, yeah. you know? Yep. And so yep. big time. Yeah. Big time. Um, but I feel like something like NICA helps those kids get from, you know, elementary school yeah. to yeah. Abitibi. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, kind of fills in the gap and gets kids started. You know, just like Brody, uh, kids who want to succeed in cycling or whatever the su- sport need a support structure yep and often it's the parents and in you know brody's case it was his parents and um boy they did a wonderful job getting him everywhere yeah you know to the thursday night time trial series to the thursday night criterium series to yeah the, you know to all the road races on the weekend yeah but it's, you know it's tough and it shouldn't be all on the parents you know i mean a- agreed which is where a system like yeah. nica yeah. can can be the after school yeah you know skills practice yeah endure you know ride for an hour practice uh do sprints yeah. like cross country yeah like, you know and, and you know i think some of it just comes right back around full circle to like why do we have a luck cycling team it's like if you know like there's there's a need out there for more junior races and more stuff for juniors it's like somebody just go do it right right easier said than done it is easier said than done i put on enough races to know that that is hard work yeah i've managed i've worked with enough clubs to know that yeah that is hard work yeah so it's hard to say yes yeah i'm just gonna do it but yeah but that's what it takes yeah exactly what it takes yeah somebody to say this needs to happen yeah and i'm just gonna do it yeah and as a as a culture were impatient you know so like abitibi has been around for 40 years and and we're just learning how to say it (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and but i mean it's a it's an international level junior race and it's been that way probably for like a 10 years or something but it just takes time to Mm -hmm. get there you know like we could we could do like a Des Moines junior race next year, only juniors, and we get twelve people. Right. And should we should we kill it? No. Like you gotta keep going. Like you gotta press it's like what do I need to do to get every field with like fifteen kids in it? Like what you know, what am I doing? You just make that your mission and you just gotta be patient with it. And I think and you know, again, to bring it like right right back around to our sport, like it's just a sport of 
patience, you know, it just takes a, it takes a long time to accumulate that experience. And it's, it's not a, um, it's not a sport like football, like throw that guy a ball, see if he can run through people with it, you know, like, Oh, that guy's good. You know, like you can have the strongest kid on a bike and like, you know, he can like end up last in a bike race for like sure. three it's weekends a in a row. And yeah. Yep. And parents are like, you're like the strongest kid out there. How come you're not winning? Like, I don't know. Like I got in a break with these two kids and they worked me over, you know? So yeah, cause I led for 90% of the exactly, race. Exactly. Yeah. So then they went right around me. I can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So it's about being patient, you know? And yep. I think that's something again, like, you know, like if we're patient, uh, like we could have, 20 Nielsen palaces, you know, in, right, in right. 10 years, you know, so, or 15, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I, uh, I've been excited to, uh, chat since Nats and, uh, catch up and, and hear about Europe. Sounds like it was awesome. And, yeah. and how soon to go again? Um, I head out on the 19th. Oh, coming right up. Yep. You're missing Ragbri. I am missing Ragbri. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's an international event. <laughs> it is. It is. So it was the. I was at the bank the other day, and uh, you know, like the usual conversation comes up. Like the lady's like, "Oh, so what do you do?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm a cycling coach. You know, run a cycling team." And she's like, "Oh, wow, that's really cool. Have you ever done Ragbri?" I was like, "I've never done Ragbri." And she's like, How, "How's that possible?" And I was like, "I know. Like I've." You know, I have family that's lived in Iowa their entire lives, and they're like, "How can you have not done Ragbri?" So I'm, I'm gonna have to check that box pretty soon here. Someday, <laughs> someday, if you're here long enough, for now, sure. Yeah, now that and I'm a you ho- own a bike, yeah. yeah. Now that I'm a homeowner here, it's like pretty soon people are gonna get suspicious. Like, I don't know if you're really into cycling. Like, you haven't done Ragbri yet. That's I was right. Like, I got a world champion jersey on my wall there. I don't know what that is, but I just you haven't done. <laughs> it's rag- not a Ragbri jersey. That's not a Ragbri. How jersey. many Ragbris have you done? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Nope, sorry, you have no credibility yeah. in my world. Yeah, are you gonna are you gonna do a little bit of ragbri this year? Listen, man, we have taken. I my first ragbri was eighty five, and uh, I no, I haven't done every. We lived in Cleveland for six or seven years, six or seven summers, but since nineteen ninety six, we've gone every year and taken our kids every year. And two of them still go. One's in Oregon this year. Uh-huh. So he's not coming back for Ragbri. But uh, yeah. our kids still go. They've gone every year of their life. Yeah. Which is awesome. So, I, you know, like, again, like, you talk, we talk about this thing, like, how do we get, like, how do we make, like, cycling? Like, how do we, how do we systematize it, you know, for kids? It's like, it's just get them, like. Every kid should do ragbri. Yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. Well, the Dream Team does a great job at yeah. introducing kids to yeah. cycling, yeah, and getting them ready for ragbri. And yeah, and you know, if they knew the Tour de France existed, yeah, they may be like, "How do you do that?" Yeah, that's riding a bike, and I yeah. like riding a bike. And yeah, well, you never know. You know, France can't be much bigger than Iowa. So, <laughs> nope. um, I've got a guy you got to talk to. Um, I'm not gonna remember his last name, but he, um, he was one of the first guys I met when I moved to Des Moines a couple of years ago. And if I'm correct, I think he's done every rag bri. Oh, wow. And he is, it's getting rarer and rarer. Yes. And he is an animal of a bike rider. He has got to be pushing 70 and like I met him on a couple rides and he just a tremendous, tremendous energy and then he's like, hey, let's go for a ride, like, on, like, Wednesday. And I was like, yeah, let's go for a ride on Wednesday. This is, like, a couple years ago. And so 
go for a ride with him, and he's like, I was in pretty good shape at the time. He's like, we're doing 25 miles an hour. And I'm like, Mike, man, like I was thinking endurance pace today. He's like, oh, I've only got like an hour and a half. And I'm like, this 68-year-old guy is going to ride <laughs> me off his wheel. Like, That's awesome. You know, um, I got to get you. Because he, I, he's, he, I think he's done every rag bry. And so, you know, if nothing else, he can at least tell you about like the first like 20 that he did. And I want to say like the first one only had like, 25 30 yeah guys. more than that i, th- I want to say it wasn't that big it was not that big 300 is a number that sticks in my head but i you know i worked at bike world a thousand years ago and mm-hmm. you know john karras uh-huh. uh donald call they came yep. into the shop um chuck offenberger brian duffy we were good friends um but uh you know i i knew a fair number of people who were on that first rag bry. I want to say the first rag bry was 300 because they put it yeah. in the paper and said, yeah. meet us out in Glenwood. Yeah. Um, and people did, and they were kind of surprised. <laughs> but I could be mistaken, <laughs> and that could have been year two that there were 300, and maybe maybe there were 70 that went the first year. Yeah. I could be wrong on both of those. But, no, there were not 15,000. Yeah. That's for sure. It's definitely a, a rolling city yeah. these days. Does it go by Des Moines this year? No, we're way north. Okay. Yep, way north, which is great because it's flat. Yeah. And, until the second half of the week, in which we're Swiss hills, <laughs> Swiss hills of Iowa. Yeah. So it is not flat, but it is beautiful. You know, they always say, oh, it's so beautiful, so scenic. Mm-hmm. Scenic is another word for hilly. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but it is scenic. Yeah. Okay, so uh, – in case we're winding down, I this which was the, we should. Yeah, <laughs> this was the question I was going to ask you though. So, what made your wife think that I didn't drink? So I let, have let, no idea. So let's let's set the scene. So the first podcast, like I show up with like the beer and I think a sparkling yeah. water, a uh, golden drock, golden drock. Yeah, you brought a golden drock, and yeah. I promptly put it in the fridge mm-hmm. and popped open a couple of Perriers that you brought. Yeah, which was very kind. Yep. And I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. Were you sick or something a bit ago? Was there some reason? She, she, I was talking to her about it today. And, um, uh, I, you know, I intentionally kept the waters out and <laughs> put the beer you brought in the fridge. Yeah. So this Sunday I look and uh, somebody's like, hey, Dags, you want a beer? And you're like, sure. And I was like, oh. He he drinks beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm bringing beer. So, what did I bring? Yeah. Oh, that was uh, this was great. Optimator. Optimator. Do you know how to say that? Spaten Optimator. Oh, it's brewed in Munich. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'm yeah. gonna have to look look that stuff up. I'm not time. messing around here, Captain. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I knew you like that European stuff. Yeah. Oh, this Doppelbach. This is good stuff. That you, is. A, that's a good beer right there. So here, here's a beer question to ponder. It's like, see, we have Belgium, and you have Germany, and then in between, you know, you've got the Netherlands, and and I have to say that. I prefer the beers from Germany and Belgium over the beers from the Netherlands. And I've kind of given them a hard couple, couple of my Dutch friends a hard time about this. I was like, Hey, what's the deal here? Like, you know, your beers are kind of pretty light compared to these guys. I've never really gotten a good answer. They've always kind of taken offense to that too. They're like, hold on a second. Have you tried these Dutch beers? And I was like, well, 
no, the first couple I tried were kind of, you know, okay. There weren't a golden drac or a, you know, a spotten optimator. So anyway, this is something that we can. Was it more like a Bud Light? It was, yeah, it was like a little, yeah, it was like like a Heineken. Pilsner. Like Heineken. Uh, Heineken, yeah. yeah, you know. Um, Amstel, you know. Oh, I, mean, I used to drink some Amstel Gold. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's on a hot day, you know, yeah, like, yes, yeah, what did exactly. I, what did I have the other day? So I think, uh, Ozzy chucked me, uh, a Coors Banquet beer. Coors Banquet is, is okay. Yeah. Perfect for like a 90 degree day. It's cold. It goes down real smooth. Yep. Yeah. So yep. D and I stopped at, uh, Sully's on the way home and had a summer shandy, Line and Kugel summer oh, shandy. Yeah. And that was like perfect for a long, I mean, we were out there a long time. Yeah. Almost 12 hours. Yeah, thank you for that, by the way. My, my pleasure. <laughs> Cheers for uh, that. My, my voice still hurts from, uh, I was the announcer there. Um, but, uh, yeah, sometimes summer shandy, sometimes a, a Doppelbach, sometimes a, uh, a Guinness. Yeah. I like the, you know, I like the melding of, like, the beer uh, beer culture and bikes here, you know, oh, it's yeah. just such a neat thing. It was really, um, again, like, I, and this might be why D was like, Oh, I don't think he drinks beer, you know? Cause like, you know, probably when we first met, like I was a lot, a lot better shape and a lot more athletic. And, and, um, so it was just, you know, like I'd see people like, Hey, so Friday afternoon, we're going to ride to the bar and have a drink. I thought oh, it was really cool. So there was, um, uh, we were talking about the first race back in 2020 and, and um, and Jason Simpson was like, Hey, we're going to go down to Cummings tap. Like, why don't you come on down and, and meet us? We'll talk about this bike race thing and, you know, just come have a drink, you know? And I was like, okay, yeah. And, um, I was like, when are you guys going to be there? And he's like, Oh, like two know, in the afternoon. Yeah. Two in the afternoon or something. I was like, okay, great. Yeah. I'll meet you over there. He's like, sweet. Are you going to ride? I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to ride over there. I'm like, I'm going to drive over, you know? So anyway, so like. I got over there a little bit after that, and, you know, they, the guys had been drinking for a little bit. And so we were having a good time, and, you know, like, you know, probably, like, a couple hours later, after a few drinks, I was like, mm, yeah. I was like, I wonder if Uber comes out here. And Jason <laughs> and, and Zimmer, um, who else was there? Steve Clark, a couple other people were like, all right, we're riding off to the next one, like, in town. I was like, you guys are riding? They're like, oh, yeah, like, we're going to ride, you know, have a couple more here and probably call a day. I'm like, oh, I was like, whoa. I was like, like, what are you going to do, Dags? I was like, uh, I think I'm going to go home and go to bed. I think (laughs) it was like, I can't quite go home yet. So I think I'm going to take a nap in my car. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I ultimately ended up like calling the wife to come get me. I was like, I had a few too many drinks this Sunday afternoon planning the bike race out and she's like mm-hmm yep you call this work I'm like well I mean I guess we'll <laughs> I guess <laughs> I'm writing my beers off yeah I mean I guess it kind of counts as work right I'm yeah that's funny space. yeah yeah that's uh you know not every ride ends with beer yeah, or yeah. has beer in the middle but yeah dang they're good at it uh one quick story yeah D does the ride out to Ragbri. uh-huh fairly regularly now but her first year she went with the crew from iowa city the cutters Whew, boy i see her off at seven o'clock in the morning on friday and she's riding out to walkie to meet some other people and then mm-hmm. they're riding a little further mm-hmm. to meet some other people and then riding a little further to meet some other people well gosh i probably talked to her at 10 o'clock at night 
figuring they're tucked into their hotel, mm-hmm. watching the news, yep. whatever. And she was like, and they had like an 80 mile ride that day. Mm-hmm. She was like 30 miles from home <laughs> <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? She's like, oh, we hung out in Adele forever. <laughs> and then we went to Redfield and there was a bar there. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's serious riding. You know, they got to their hotel and they had a hotel <laughs> uh, like 3 a.m. Oh, and I mean, the whoever was at the hotel, like let them in and did their laundry and like knew that they were coming and took great care of them. And but man, oh, man, that's like that's where that's where it's learned. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. There. Speaking of NICA systems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what we want our children to know about. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, ragbri is a good wholesome activity. Yeah. It actually is. When we took our kids, it's it was the ice cream ragbri. Okay. It wasn't the beer ragbri. Okay. But now, you know, our the two kids, uh, Ryan and Anna, that are uh, going this year, and Noah as well, but, uh, again, he's in Oregon. Um, boy, they're, hey, let's, they, they are teaching me about beer. Yeah, <laughs> which is fun or whiskey yeah or whiskey but anyway well dags it's been a treat yeah i, I want to do this again after worlds yeah you've got uh three going to worlds four uh, events three going to worlds yep um and we'll see um so interestingly enough luke's result today should help earn the u.s another spot for worlds so it won't necessarily be Luke that goes, but now it just gives us one more person, probably gives us one more person that we can take. And so, um, yeah, hopefully um, the U.S. will be able to take four junior men to Worlds. Um, yeah, and then, after, yeah, it would be great to talk after Worlds. So um, we'll see if I'm uh, – I think I'm – on a list somewhere to potentially go. And so maybe if I, that could be some more good stories like worlds, worlds again, um, worlds is in Wollongong, Australia this year. So, Mm. so yeah. So the, the, what will happen? And I know we got to wrap up here, but I'll, 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 I'll whet everybody's appetite for episode three. (laughs) Is that, um, you're bringing, Golden Drock. Yeah. <laughs> or like a Guinness or something back. Um, so if, um, so one of our athletes is going to do. If it's in Australia, Fosters. Fosters, yeah. Fosters. Oh, that's right. Not Guinness. Fosters. Yeah. Geez. Fosters. Um, uh, so one of our athletes, she's going to leave Women's Tour of Ireland and fly to Australia. That's the plan right now because the, the timing of everything. Um, so that's a, a long haul flight for her. And so that would probably if if i'm going that would probably be the same for me too Mm. um so again we'll see but that that's gonna be like sometime in september so i got a i got kind of a long uh i got a long trip ahead of me if that works out like that so yeah but again we'll probably have some exciting tales there so but either way we'll get together afterwards and we'll kind of see how things went and talk about it more cool and good luck luck on your uh next european vacation yeah thanks (laughs) (laughs) thanks Maybe uh, if you get the uh, Alpe d'Huez, I know the road's finished now. Yeah, yeah, right, the, yeah. Uh, the kids are riding it tomorrow. Yep, yeah. Yeah, tomorrow. Still tomorrow. Still tomorrow. There, here. Yeah. 
nine, ten. I think there's seven hours ahead yeah, of so us. So it's still bright and early there. Yeah. 4 a.m. or something. Yeah. So they're not riding yet. But anyway, thanks, Dags. Appreciate it. Yep. Lux Cycling Development Team. And uh, rocking out at Nats. All right. Thanks, Dags. All right. Thanks for coming See in. See you, Dave. Thanks for tuning in to Bike Talk with Dave. Thanks tons to Chris for taking the time in his busy summer to talk bikes with me. What a year it's been for Team Lux, and what a season still lay ahead. Stay in touch with the team on Instagram or on the web at luxcycling.com. Speaking of interwebs, I want to thank bikeiowa.com for being the online host of Bike Talk with Dave. BikeIowa.com is an awesome online community where you can find access to hundreds of trails, events, and stories about biking in the great state of Iowa and the Midwest. If you're listening from afar, I'd like to invite you to check out all the great trails in Iowa and come for a visit. I tell you what, the scenery is awesome, we've got a ton of great microbrews, and the people are friendly. And don't forget your free 90-day trial on Adventure Plus streaming service. Just click the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to support the show, you can rate and review. If you'd like to support the show financially and help improve the show, look for Bike Talk with Dave at buymeacoffee.com. I'll send you a sticker. I'll put a link in the show notes. Bike Talk with Dave is a production of Summit Media. Give us a follow on Instagram at Summit Media Films or myself at dmabel122. Thanks for listening and I hope you have an awesome week.